Welcome to sermons from Silver Moon with Pastor Phil Barber of the Silver Moon Full Gospel Church. The Silver Moon Full Gospel Church is committed to preaching the Word of God and invites you to join them for Sunday morning worship at 10 a.m. and Wednesday night service at 6.30. Now, here's Pastor Phil Barber with today's message. Part two of this message. And this is what's happened to this young man. He is reaping what he sowed. And this misfortune has taken this young man to the very, very bottom. That's his devastation. Let's look at his depression, his abject poverty, poverty, 14B. And he began to be impoverished. Now he begins to feel the effects of bankruptcy. You can be bankrupt, then you begin to feel the effects of it. What a change this must have been for him. Living with his father, this boy had never been hungry. Living with his father, this young man had never dealt with any uncomfort or discomfort. He had all he wanted. But now he begins to be in want. He begins to be in need and depression comes. Sin is costly. It's costly to anyone. I'd say to teenagers, listen to me. There's nothing more costly than sin. We used to sing an old song long, long, long time ago. It pays to serve Jesus. It pays every day. It pays every step of the way. When you serve Jesus, it pays. He will bless you. He will take care of you and watch over you. But let me tell you, it costs to serve Satan too. And it costs every day. It costs every step of the way. It it will cost you your character. It will cost you your influence. It will cost you your reputation. It will cost you your time. It will cost you your health. It will cost you love. It will cost you home and family. It will cost you money. It will cost you your soul. And it will cost you heaven. Sin costs. And it costs to serve Satan. And this young man followed his sinful impulses, and now he is reaping what he has sowed. It has ruined his life. The old preachers used to say, sin will take you further than you want to go. Sin will cost you more than you want to pay. Sin will keep you longer than you want to stay. This man has experienced devastation. He has experienced desperation, uh, depression. And now he also experienced desperation. Verse 15. So he went. And hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country. And he sat in, into the fields to feed swine. Here's a Jewish boy. He is so desperate to make a dime, to make a dollar, so he can find something to eat, that he takes the most unimaginable job that any Jewish boy could take. And that would be feeding pigs. He's broke. And he's all alone in a foreign country. All those friends he had, when he had money, they're all gone. There's no one there to help him. No one to bless him. Let me tell you, the world will say to you, I love you if you're good. I love you if you're intelligent. I love you if you're wealthy. I love you if you have a good education. I love you if you have a good job. I love you if you have a good connections. I love you if you wallow in the mud with me. I love you if you take drugs with me. I love you if you drink with me. I love you if you party with me. But you got to have your own money to do all those things. Because I'm not paying for your addictions. I'm not paying for your lust and your desires. But you got it. We'll party. We'll go. We'll have a good time. The world says, I love you. If you produce a lot, 
if you sell much and you buy much. The world is full, filled with endless ifs. And they love you with all those ifs. But let me tell you what. You will reach out for all those ifs and find yourself enslaved by the world. And you'll find yourself working to try to please the world. But you will never, never, never please the world. You'll never give enough. You'll never have enough. You'll never do enough. This five them. Because the world's love is always conditional. As long as you keep looking for happiness in this world, you will be, you will be hooked by the world's lostness and darkness and sinfulness. And the world will keep luring you and you keep trying to fit in. You'll keep trying to find happiness and it'll always be one step ahead of you. And guess what? This world will foster addictions in your life because this world offers things that cannot satisfy you. The world cannot give you something that will satisfy the deepened cravings of your heart. And this young man is devastated. He at the lowest of the lowest. He's broken this time of famine. And he's not, guess what? He still doesn't, you think that he would come to his senses. But he doesn't come to his senses. He still thinks he can solve his problem without God. He thinks the solution is, I will take care of myself and I will get a job and I will take care of these pigs. It's something that will disgust everybody back at home. But this is my answer to my problems. And all we find is a young man working in a pigsty and things getting worse and worse. He thinks it's a good move. He thinks it's a good try, but it's not. You know what he's doing? He's trying to avoid repentance. You might ask the question, why doesn't he go home? No. He still thinks he's smarter than everybody else. And so I have a plan. I have a way out. I'll fix this problem on my own. Instead of humbling himself and returning, instead of facing his people, the people of Israel, his village, his community, he tries to hold on to his own dignity. And fix his dilemma himself. And so in doing so, he inherits the most shameful job imaginable to this Jewish audience. Listen, it's a major man's desperation of this man's desperation, of his devastation, of his depression, that he's willing even to do this. Listen, as I've tried to say, let me say again, there's nothing more degrading for a Jew than to take care of a Gentile's pigs. He would even be degrading to take care of a Gentile's other livestock, but he had lowered himself so much he's taking care of a Gentile's hogs. And guess what? This job was even shameful in the Gentile community. This is the bottom of the bottom of the barrel for anybody. And he's there. It doesn't require any intelligence or skill to slop hogs, okay? You don't need a first grade education. You don't need a college degree. You just know how, need to know how to pick up a bucket and dump it in a trough. And that doesn't take a lot of intelligence. You can be shown once if you don't know. And from then on, you'd be an expert at slopping hogs. And this is where 
this boy is. The conditions were horrible. We had pigs when I was a young man, hogs, big ones, little ones. I can, right now, I can smell the stench. I want to say hog manure, just so you'll get it, okay? It's not a job I want to sign up for. But he signed up for it. And it's shameful to this man. He's feeding unclean pigs. This man has exchanged his home for a hog pen. This man has exchanged the table of his family for a hog trough. This man has exchanged delicious food prepared by the servants of his home for nothing. Because he cannot even eat the hog food. He's in devastation. He's in depression. He's in desperation. And finally, he's in disgrace, demeaning humiliation. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one had given him any, anything to him. Rock bottom, there he is. He wishes he eat the pig food, but guess what? He can't eat the pig food because this food, for a human to eat, it had to be processed. It had to be grounded up so it would be edible for humans. But since it wasn't grounded up, and since it was processed, the hogs could eat, but the boy couldn't eat. That's how bad it was. And no one was giving him anything. Even the hogs, the unclean animals, were better off than this Jewish boy. This is the lostness of a sinner. In the story, Jesus is showing us how, how, where sin will take us and how far will take us from God. Let me tell you, you can't win. Abraham, in unbelief, went to Egypt, lied about his wife. And he almost lost her. Another man wanted to take her and marry her and make him his own wife. Judah, we preached on that, Genesis 37, descended into the world and ended up having two sons so wicked that God slew them. Jonah ran so far from the God, God that he found himself in the belly of a great fish. Samson disobeyed God and found himself in chains. Let me tell you, sin will destroy you. And this man is a walking example of destruction. He's a vile, vile man. Now I can tell you what, sinful choices will ruin your life. Ask Adam, he lost paradise. Ask Cain, he was driven from the presence of God. Ask King Saul, he lost his throne. Ask Judas, he lost his life. Sin will destroy you. The world cannot satisfy you. But here's the main point to this story. You need to understand this. And I'll tell you what, this may, last week was hard. This week may be hard. It'll be, it'll be a happy time next week when we get to the third part of this message. But this is a miserable time. To this audience that's listening to this story, when they think, look at this young man, you know what they're thinking? He's unredeemable. He's hopeless. God wouldn't have him back. God wants nothing to do with him. He's gone too far. There's no going back for him. His father won't take him back, they think. The door is closed at home. The gate is closed to the property. The boy's crimes are so heinous that it's, he's too far gone. That's how bad it is if he wanted to go back. In this society, they wouldn't let him go back. He wouldn't be welcome. He wouldn't be received. And if he did try to get back, they, the first thing they would think, 
he would have to pay everything back. Here's a boy that can't even buy a happy meal. How's he going to pay everything back? He's not going to be able to. He can work all his life as a hard laborer, as a day laborer, and he'll never be able to pay it back. And those people have said, it deserves him right. The world only saw him as a tool to feed their pigs. Each man for himself, and he falls, he falls. This country was too far for him without God. Let me tell you something. The world's not your friend. When I was a young man, I gave my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, my senior high school. It was in February. I didn't know much about the Lord, I've told you that. And then that summer, I worked, I lived with another Christian family. And I, during the wheat harvest and other things, and I was getting ready to go to Bible school. I went back to the town that I went to high school in my freshman, sophomore, and junior year. And there in the community in Colorado at that time, there was uh, three two beer being served. You could go, there's a beer joint. And 3-2 beer was kind of a lower grade of alcohol, and everyone between 18 and 21, the people I knew, that's where they would go, was the one-on-one bar. And uh, I went to home to visit my mom and my brothers and sisters and see some friends I had not seen in uh, maybe 16, 18 months. And uh, to do that, I uh, went to the one-on-one bar. I sat down with my friends. Uh, they offered me a... Buy me a beer. I said, no, I'll just take a Sprite. And uh, one of my friends, who was a good friend, he said, you haven't heard he's going to be a preacher. He's going off to Bible school. And the other, but the other guy said, you mean you're too good to drink with us? I said, no, I, I'll drink a Sprite. You guys drink what you want to drink. I just come to say hi, see you, I'm busy, busy with you. They were mad, angry. Because I wouldn't drink with them. I wouldn't act like them. Let me tell you what. If you have people in your life who don't respect how you believe and how you think, you need to walk away from them. They don't need to be in your life. And if you have people, if you know someone that's in someone's life and you have power to speak in that person's life that's trying to drag that person down, you need to just say, If he's really your friend, leave him alone. Don't bother him anymore. They're not your friends. They're not happy if you're not sinning with them and acting like them. And they're not comfortable with you if you're drinking a Sprite. They just can't handle it. And this boy was in that stage. He had no one who was willing to help him and to lift him up. It was all over for him. Let me tell you. You need to, you need to be wise in what you do in life and with who you hang hang out with. I would not. Let me tell you. I I wouldn't have gone back to one on one ever again after that night, and did not go back while I was there the rest of the week, because if they could not accept me as I was, then so be it. But let me tell you, the world will pull you down, and that's what happened to this young man. And so he's sick away from home. Let me say something else. I want you to hear me. 
This is not in the notes I sent to the team. This boy didn't prosper. And I think God did this to get his attention. Now, God will prosper his people because he came from a home that was prosperous. Did he not? But they served God. But if you are a person who has served God and walked away from him, and you keep prospering, and nothing is done to get your attention to bring you back to God, you ought to be scared. You ought to wonder, why isn't God speaking to me? Why hasn't God tried to get my attention? Why isn't God trying to break me? Why isn't God trying to chastise me? Why do I keep prospering? Why do I keep getting ahead? Why isn't God speaking to me? I've seen people leave church, walk away from God, walk away from the Bible, walk away from the house of God, walk away from prayer, walk away from worship. And they seem to get richer and they seem to prosper more. And they ought to shake in their boots that God isn't trying to get their attention. They ought to ask themselves, why isn't God speaking to me? It's, remember, it's the people of God who are amazed at the prosperity of the wicked. And then they go into God's house and see their end. But when a person is supposedly a Christian and serving God for, and then walks away and God never reaches down to get their attention, never seems to break them. They ought to wonder, what is wrong? Where is God? Why is He abandoned me? Why is He left me alone? Now this boy has gone from being sick of home, sick away from home. The second point is, he's homesick. He goes, he's homesick. First of all, under that, it's his realization. Surprisingly, it says in verse 17, but when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I'm dying here with hunger? This is the work of God in his life. You don't think of this unless God awakens you and makes you realize, I need God. I need God to help me. Jesus Christ said, no one comes to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. When you're dead in sin, you're not thinking about God. When you're chasing after the things of the world, you're not thinking about God. You don't have the capacity to stop and turn around unless God gets your attention. And when we come on Sunday morning, every one of us ought to be praying, God, turn my my mind around so I can focus on you this morning, all of us. Get my attention. God must do this work. And so he has an awakening, a realization it's better off at home for my for the hired servants than it is for me right now. So he makes a resolution. I will get up and go to my father. His desperate circumstances finally brought him to the realization that there's only one place where he can find help. And that's with the father. Hallelujah. The very father that he so terribly despised betrayed, so terribly despised, so terribly dishonored, he finally said, I'll go to my father. And he had forfeited all his rights. But he thought, I will appeal to my father's mercy. He would ask to be simply made a day laborer. A day laborer is on the bottom of all the workers. I'm going to tell you how bad it was to be a day laborer, okay? In the law of Moses. It's commanded that 
when you're a day laborer, you get paid at the end of the day. It's not a weekly salary. It's not a monthly salary. Why? Because these people are so poor and so broke that they don't have enough money to go to the grocery store and buy food. And so they're paid at the end of the day. Remember the parable where it talks about hiring people and they hire some at the ninth hour and the eleventh hour and they hire them throughout the day and at the end of the day, they pay them. Remember that parable? Well, that's what he says. Because, you know, guess what about day labor? I may not need you tomorrow. I might not need you this week. I might not need you next week. I need you today. And when the day's over, I'll pay you. And what he's thinking... At least when my father needs day laborers, he might hire me. Let me tell you something. This tells you to me something. He finally realized what his father was like. He knew his father. He knew what his character was. And you know what he knew he could do? He could count on his dad being a merciful dad. And you could count on God no matter what you've done where you're at. God is merciful. You can come to God and He'll show you kindness and He'll show you grace. You can count on Him. For the first time, you don't realize what I say. For the first time, even this was even before what he, when he lived at home, he didn't realize this. But for the first time, he realized how good his father was. God brought him to his senses. And for the first time, he realized that being separated from his father was a bad thing. And when you come to God for the first time, that's one thing you'll realize. It is a bad thing for me not to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and as my Savior. Up to now, this boy only wanted to be away from his father. For a moment he thought, I'd rather feed pigs than go home. But he couldn't choose right until God worked in his heart to help him make a good choice. And so he has this realization, it's better off at my dad's house. I'll go home. And repentance, and this is important. And we'll talk about this a little more next week. But And we'll say to him, Father, I sinned against heaven. And in your sight, some translations say, and against you. No excuses. You don't come to God with excuses. You come just as you are. No hiding your sin. You go, you, you, this boy was determined and we always saying, I'll go home and face the music. Reason we have altar calls, it's time you, you're coming and facing the music. But you realize that you have to come. He's going to confess what he is and what he's done. He's not a victim. He's a sinner. He's going home and he's looking for mercy. Repentance is not a man making excuses. And it's not a man simply looking to get away from the consequences of their sin. He's drawn near to the Father. And let's look at his resignation. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son when you get saved. You need to realize, and some of you are saved, but I don't know if you've ever come to the place where you realize how great His grace was. Because you can just thank God in about three words and move on to doing something else. Forgive me for saying that, but you ought to think about that. 
I'm no longer worthy to be called. I'm not up here, God, because of who I am and what I am. I want you to be proud of me. I'm not, I'm not worthy to be here. But I know you're merciful. And I know you're graceful. And I'm coming here for your help. I need your mercy. I need your help. I'll just be a day laborer. This boy wasn't asking for his old bedroom back. Too many people won't come back to God, but they want everything. But a sinner says, God, I've come. I deserve nothing. But I'll take your mercy. And I'll take a blessing once in a while, like a day servant, day laborer. But I don't deserve much more than that. This man understood his wretchedness, and he understood he burned all his bridges. Let's look at his return. So he got up and came to his father. What beautiful words. And this is where, sad to say, this is this will be it. But he didn't stop with intentions, and he didn't stop with emotion. He stepped out to face the music. He stepped out to face his own sin, to own up to it. He stepped out to ask for forgiveness. He stepped out to fully submit to his father. You know what we call that? Faith. This boy is near death. But everyone who's away from God is near death all the time. Because one moment, just one blink of an eye, you could leave this world dead and away from God, lost. This boy is poor. He's broken. It's going to be a hard journey home. But he's going home, and he's going to trust the Father. That's what we talk about when we talk about placing it all on Jesus. Luke says in chapter 9, verse 23, quoting Jesus, And he was saying to them all, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Listen. There's some people who think they've come up here and made a mumble-jumble prayer and they've walked away from God's house. They've walked away from His body. I mean, they got the idea, I'm okay with God because I said a prayer one time in VBS. I want to ask those people to say that. Where's that daily cross? You can't even see it in your life. You don't even know where it's at. You, you're not, there's no daily cross in your life. Yes, if you confess Jesus, he'll confess you before him. But that's a lifestyle. The la- I said this, and I, I th- you didn't, none of you got how good that this was when I said it. The last thing we'll do before we go to heaven is bow on our knees and we'll confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And you know what? It'll be so easy for all of us, all of us who know Jesus because we do it every Sunday. We do it every day. That's what we come to church for is to say that Jesus Christ is my Lord and he's my Savior. Brother Fred used to say, well, he might have cried out to God in the last second of his life. Jesus, Brother Fred is right about this. He said, you don't call out to God the last second of your life. You aren't calling out to God any other day of your life. This boy knows his father is good. And he gets up to go. Go home. Next week we'll see that. But let me say this. You can come home today. And we'll tell you how good it's going to be. It's true. You're not worthy. It's true you've sinned against heaven. It's true you probably sinned against family and others. I'll just give you a little foretaste. The Father, Jesus is going to surprise all those people. Because they're all thinking, when he gets home, Dad isn't going to welcome him. <laughs> That's what they're thinking. And they're thinking he, he deserves it. This boy doesn't know it. 
And he's far better than this boy knows. And it'll surprise you. But you can say, I'm coming home. Thank you for listening to Sermons from Silver Moon with Pastor Phil Barber. To find out more about today's message, you may contact the Silver Moon Full Gospel Church at 417-472-3360. The Silver Moon Full Gospel Church is located on Highway 59 North between Neosho and Diamond, Missouri. Morning worship is at 10 a.m. with a Wednesday night service at 6.30 p.m. The Silver Moon Full Gospel Church, where the distance is worth the difference. Never miss your favorite show again. For more than 30 years, KNEO has been bringing you great Bible teachers on a local and national level. And now we've made it easier than ever to hear from these great men and women of God. KNEO's entire lineup is now available to listen anytime, anywhere through our website. Go to KNEO.org slash podcast to see all the options. You can search for programs alphabetically, or you can select individual categories like culture, kids, leadership, or music. We even have a category just for locally produced programs so you can hear from pastors and spiritual leaders located right here in the four-state area. And all these resources are absolutely free. Kaneo's mission is to get God's Word in front of you, and this is one of the ways we do it. Give it a try today. Go to kaneo.org and click on the podcast tab to get started. <laughs>